that takes his silliness seriously, the Professionally Silly Podcast. I'm your audible boo-thang, Amber Smiles-Jones, and welcome to the podcast where we like to shoot the shit and discuss a variety of awesome, as well as a variety of what-the-fuck moments. So many things. Paranormal experiences, true crime stories, and some interesting random topics that I come across online. So if you're new here, I appreciate the hell out of you for uh, giving me a chance, my little podcast here. Check out my past episodes, if you will. We cover topics uh, super random, serial killers, strange news stories, ghost stories, and more. It's an audible variety show, y'all. We up in here. So come and join the silly. So this week has been insane. And and I mean that in a creepy way. Um, okay, so... This past weekend, my cousin Chris and I, we went back to the Arabian Mountain in DeKalb County, Georgia, and we went there to do a nighttime paranormal investigation. So on my Paranormal Blacktivity YouTube channel, I went to that location during the day with my cousin and we um, we had a lot of ghostly experiences. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about the Is Arabia Mountain Haunted video. That was the video that made my cousin more interested in the paranormal. And uh, that experience pretty much opened up his world. So we went back at night to communicate with the spirits of the Arabia Mountain. And we experienced a lot, okay? Rocks were being thrown. Spirits were hanging around in trees. Sticks were being tossed. Oh my God, I got hit by a rock, actually. It was insane out there, and I got that on camera. We heard gunshots. It was just a lot happening. (laughs) It was a lot happening that night. Then, get this, just the other day, I was in bed, and uh, it was around, I don't know, 9.30 in the morning, and uh, Sammy and I were just starting to wake up, and for, you know, new listeners, Sammy is my cat. (laughs) She's my best buddy. Anyways, we both heard my bedroom door open and close like someone was peeking in to see if I was awake but it, it there was no one there you know no one was really in the house besides my dad he was still asleep my mom was at her doctor's appointment and my cousin wasn't in the house either so you know clearly my house is haunted I mean I don't know what else to say you know anyways I'm um I'm thinking I may have brought something home with me from the Arabia Mountain investigation, but it, it, it could be anything. But I, I go into more detail about what happened on the video that I just posted this past Wednesday on my professionally silly YouTube channel. So it's a story time video along with some clips from my night investigation at the Arabia Mountain. So <laughs> including the clip where a rock was thrown at me, that's in there. But um, I'll put the link to my storytime video in the show notes and make sure that you guys subscribe to the Paranormal Blacktivity channel as well because uh, I'm going to have a lot more paranormal content coming towards you. So stay tuned for that, okay? Because our, um, our nighttime Arabian Mountain investigation video will be on there soon. I'm still going through the videos to edit to make it just a little bit shorter because, you know, you don't want to see like the entire... <laughs> the entire time sometimes something nothing happens you know that's boring i'm gonna show you guys the good stuff 
You know what I mean? So yeah, and and I'm also planning to do a paranormal investigation in my own house to see you know, who's causing all this strange activity in the house because, you know, my door closing, opening and closing is just some of it. You know, even my dad is experiencing things in the house. It's kind of crazy. Anyways, today, today, guess what? Guess what? We're going to go ahead and continue and keep the Halloween vibe going. You know, let's talk about uh, a dead body that was passed around for decades. Let's discuss that. Yeah, you heard right. Someone's dead body was literally passed around as a prop for decades. Legit. (laughs) You're hearing this correctly, but before we get into it, I want to remind you guys that if you have any of your own interesting experiences for the podcast, email them to me at itsprofessionallysilly at gmail.com. Okay, I, um, I talk about a lot of things on this podcast, okay? So maybe your experience will even inspire an entire episode. It can be scary, it can be funny, creepy, embarrassing, what have you. Send it in. All you gotta do is uh, go to my email, which is down in the show notes, copy and paste that bad boy, and send me your stories. Also, guys, do me a favor, show your support for this podcast and the hard work that I put into it by leaving five stars in a written review on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast platform that you're using, because this would be extremely helpful for my podcast to grow and earn new listeners. That's the best part. Growing, learning, succeeding. It's fun. (laughs) I would love that. Love that. So uh, let's go ahead and get into today's topic yes we're gonna go ahead and talk about the traveling corpse so i wanted to share something with you guys that's super exciting recently a company by the name of vance global reached out to me and they wanted me to try their products Vance Global is a Milwaukee-based CBD joints and hemp manufacturer. Vance Global is providing us with a safer alternative to smoking tobacco products. And they have even created recently the most potent CBD cigarette out there, that Delta 8. So if you are interested in CBD cigarettes or you're interested in an alternative to smoking tobacco products, this is for you. And Delta 8... Oh, guess what? They've got gummies now too, and they are amazing. I I ate a couple of them and uh, I had an amazing night's sleep. My mind shut off and I dozed. Goodbye anxiety and hello sweet dreams. So check out their Instagram at Vance Global and take a look at the merchandise. And if you see something that you want, that you want to purchase, make sure you go ahead and use the coupon code SMILES, all capital letters, S-M-I-L-E-S, the word SMILES, to get 20% off your purchase. Once again, the coupon code is SMILES to get 20% off your purchase. Vance Global! I'll be sure to post the link down below in the show notes and you can go ahead and click and start your shopping for your CBD cigarettes and or gummies and more today. You know, when you're driving down the highway and you see garbage bags that are lying on the side of the road, 
and you think to yourself, what if, what if there's a dead body in there? Right. Or when you're in a haunted house, you know, and you think to yourself, what if one of these props was real? Oh, I'm the only one who, who thinks about shit like that. Okay. Well, so be it. (laughs) But today we're going to talk about an actual dead body that was passed around for decades. This dude was more famous dead than he ever was alive. The body of Elmer McCurdy. So let's go ahead and start with Elmer's life. Elmer was born January 1st, 1880 in Washington, Maine. And his mother was Sadie McCurdy, who was only 17 years old and uh, she wasn't married. And this is a time where, you know, having a child out of wedlock might as well had been a crime. You know, they treated women like shit back then. They really did. They treated us like shit back then. And I got to be honest with you, not that much has changed, honestly, especially if you're a woman living in Texas right now. Ugh. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> no one truly knew uh, who Elmer's father was. It was unknown. Now, there was a rumor going around that Elmer's father was possibly Sadie's cousin, Charles Smith. So I think that that would mean that Elmer's father was his second cousin. Wait, is that right? Yes. Right? That sounds right. Okay. So his father might've been his cousin. Anywho, that sucks if it's true. And I certainly, certainly would not want my dad to also be my cousin. I just feel like that's just, that's a lot to deal with. I mean, does Talkspace have a therapist that can help me with that? Like, do I need to go to better help? Like, <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> Anyways, Elmer's mother's brother, you get that? You guys catch that? Elmer's mother's brother, you, his uncle, I should have just said that. His uncle George and his wife Helen decided to adopt Elmer in order to protect Sadie from the shame of having to raise an illegitimate child because that's just a sin. You know, it's just the worst thing that could happen or they act like it was anyway, but times have kind of changed on that. So, you know, being, being a single mother is just, it's not as horrid as it was seen at one point. You know what I mean? Anyway, so (laughs) being, she, she was, uh, uh, what's his name? Elmer's uncle, George and his wife, Helen decided to go ahead and adopt him. Okay. Now being a mother out of wedlock was actually worse than being a murderer. It seemed like at this time, maybe I'm being a little too extra, but (laughs) they definitely treated it like, like it was just one of the seven deadlies. Okay. And, (laughs) but it definitely wasn't good that she had a cat at a wedlock. Everyone would talk shit about you and ignore you at the same time. That shit was like an emotional oxymoron. You know, they were like, Oh, Look at Megan and that bastard child of hers. We should run her out of town. And don't get me started on Deborah from down the street who cheated on her husband, Barry, that harlot and that adulterer. Let's make sure to to alert the townspeople of these unholy women and destroy their lives. That's pretty much how it worked. Okay. Ah, the good old days. <laughs> Y'all think these housewife TV shows have drama? Shit. <laughs> Y'all ain't seen nothing. <laughs> Go <laughs> try being a woman in the 1800s. Shit was tough. Okay, so back to the story. So in 1890, 
Elmer's adoptive father, George, who was also his uncle, died of tuberculosis, which, if we're being completely honest, that was very common way to die around that time. Side note, uh, thank you, science, for being a thing and existing, okay? <laughs> Shit, because tuberculosis is not as common as it used to be. Perhaps these anti-vaxxers should think about that. Remember polio? Malaria? Smallpox? The Spanish flu? Remember SARS? Yellow fever? All the plagues and pandemics throughout human history? Uh, science put its cape on and kicked some serious ass. And, you know, we got through all that shit because of smart ass people who created vaccines and medicines to protect and save us. Just, you know, throwing that out there. <laughs> Not everything is a fucking conspiracy, people. Anyhow, let me get off my soapbox and get back to this dead body. Um, <laughs> I just got really off topic there. So let's get back to it. So George died of tuberculosis in 1890. Sadie, Elmer's biological mother, and Helen, George's widow, they took Elmer and they moved to, uh, I think it's Bangor, Maine. I think that's how you say it. Bangor, Maine. And eventually Sadie decided to tell Elmer, Elmer the truth that she was indeed his mother and not Helen. You know, she also told him that she had no idea who her father was. I mean, who his father was. So of course, uh, Elmer didn't take this too well. He took it pretty bad actually, and decided to become a resentful, uh, little asshole. And, uh, he rebelled his ass off because that's what teenagers do when they find out shit that they don't like. You know, <laughs> it is, I was a teenager. I've done it, you know, anyways, but when he was a teenager, he picked up a drinking problem and refused to put it down. Yeah. He said, Hey, drinking problem. I'm just going to hold on to you for the rest of my life. How about that? You know, it, it just, he did not have the best, uh, you know, teenage years and young adult years after finding out the truth about who his mother really is, you know, things were very difficult for him. So even, uh, even through his adult life, you know, he, he, he picked up that drinking problem and, uh, and it, it'll come to, uh, it'll come in full circle once we get towards the end of his story. Let's get back to it. So he ended up living with his grandfather and took up plumbing. Now he was actually pretty good at his job. He's pretty good at plumbing and he continued to do it until the economy went downhill in 1898. So now Elmer is without a job. And things only get worse from there for him. It's crazy. Now, his mother, Sadie, died in August of 1900 of a ruptured ulcer. Okay. Then his grandfather died the very next month of Bright's disease, which is, that's what they called kidney disease at that time. So, and then after his grandfather died, he decided, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and travel around the Eastern United States and I'm going to work as a plumber and a lead miner. I'm just, I'm just, I'm going to travel. I'm going to do this. Life has been tough. I need something new. I get it. You know what I'm saying? So homie was going through it. He really was. And he couldn't hold down a job, unfortunately, because of his alcoholism. It's just things, things weren't working out. Now he was drunk a lot, which I can only assume made his job a lot more difficult to do. And I'm guessing his supervisor was like, you know what, Elmer, you're, you seem like a nice guy, but you know, 
you're going to have to go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? People don't like, people don't like it when you show up to the jobs they pay you to do drunk. They just, they're not fond of it. It is what it is, you know? Now he eventually, Elmer, he eventually ended up in Kansas where he also worked as a plumber. Then in 1905, he was arrested for a public intoxication, which to me is a small miracle that it hadn't happened before this, honestly. So two years later in 1907, Elmer decided to join the United States Army and he was a machine gun operator assigned to Fort Leavenworth, okay? And uh, he was also minimally trained to use nitroglycerin for demolition. And you'll see later why, later on why I mentioned the words minimally trained, (laughs) okay? So three years later in 1910, He was honorably discharged from the military and um, I'm sure allowing a guy that has problems with alcoholism probably definitely shouldn't be hanging around machine guns and explosives. There's just no way that any problems occurred, she said sarcastically. (laughs) So yeah, Elmer's life wasn't the best, wasn't the best, but wait, there's more. Okay, so about a week or so after he was honorably discharged from the military, he met up with an old army buddy and they were both arrested for possessing burglary paraphernalia. Okay, now these guys were just walking around town with uh, axes, uh, gunpowder, money sacks, chisels, and funnels for nitroglycerin. Yeah, that seems legit. They're not, they're not up to anything. Everything's fine. <laughs> you know, they're definitely not up to, 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 uh, to any shenanigans. So Elmer and his buddy, they go to court and, uh, they're arrested. They go to court and Elmer and his buddy told the judge that they were not going to actually burglarize anything with these tools, but they were working on a pedal operated machine gun that they were inventing. Yeah. Pretty, yep, and guess what? The jury said, hey, okay, that makes sense. Not guilty. <laughs> sure. <laughs> wow, people were just dumb at one point, I guess. I don't know. Anyways, after they got away with that, Elmer said, you know what? I'm a fucking genius and I can get away with anything. Uh, let's start a life of crime. Uh, let, let, I want to be a bank and train robber. I just, I want to rob things. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, he pretty much decided life sucks. Let's get drunk. And apparently I can get away with anything. The life of uh, the life of crime is calling me. I want to rob shit, you know? And, and here's the crazy part guys. Okay. Elmer wasn't very good at stealing things. He was actually really shitty criminal. It, it, it was just ridiculous how bad a criminal he was. So he, he, he decided to get his very own gang of bandits. Yeah, but they were all stupid as shit. Uh, I'm serious, just dumb. <laughs> Elmer and his gang of idiots, they decided they were going to rob a train. The Iron Mountain, Missouri Pacific, specific, Missouri Pacific train. Yeah, specifically the Pacific. <laughs> so in uh, in March in nineteen March nineteen eleven, okay, 
1911, he had heard a rumor that there was a safe with $4,000 somewhere aboard the train. Okay. So they stopped the train and they found the safe, which is, you know, good job. They, they got that part right. Elmer decided to use his minimally trained experiences with nitroglycerin. He decided to use that training and put it to work here on his new life of crime. So the plan was to put the nitroglycerin in the safe door and then blow it open so they could take whatever was inside the safe, you know, the money. But unfortunately, he used too much nitroglycerin and completely destroyed the safe and all and pretty much all the money that was inside of it. Blew that bitch up to smithereens. Okay. <laughs> then later on that year, September 1911, he decided to try robbery again. But this time, he decided to try to rob a bank, the Citizens Bank in Kansas. So they spent about two hours breaking through the bank wall. And you'll never guess what tool they chose. A hammer. Okay, well, this is 1911. I don't think they had jackhammers yet. So, all right, cool. I'll, I'll let that slide. Um, but when I, when, I, when I say hammer, I'm thinking about the little handheld hammer. And how, also, how weak are those walls that it only took two hours? Come on, man. <laughs> so uh, Elmer then placed the nitroglycerin charge around the outer vault door. Okay, the blast was so strong that it blew the outer vault door through the bank wall, destroying the interior of it. All right. The bank was just destroyed. It just, it looked like a door went through there. Okay. So he somehow managed to blow the outer door off, but didn't get a chance to blow off the inner door because when he put the nitroglycerin on the interior door and tried to light it, the charge failed to ignite. He can't do anything right. God damn it. So they managed to steal about $150 in coins that wasn't even inside the safe. Like <laughs> all of that for nothing, like 150 bucks, get out of here. <laughs> and they didn't even really get much, you know, from that particular robbery. It's just insane. And if you, if you can call it, if you can even call it a robbery, if I'm being honest with you. At this point, this gang of bandits are just blowing shit up. They just like to blow things up and get very little money for it. I don't, I don't understand the idea behind this, but like if maybe he was more than minimally trained with nitroglycerin, he would be a better thief. I don't know. Anyways, like I said, this gang of bandits were stupid as shit. So <laughs> they just weren't very good at their jobs. And I, I guess being a criminal is harder than people think. I don't know. I, <laughs> shit, you know, but Elmer, he was not ready to give up. He wasn't. He had another bright idea. And just a month later on October 4th, 1911 in Oklahoma. Okay. He decided to rob a cat caddy train. Now a caddy train is a train line that rode the Mississippi, the, the, the Mississippi, the Missouri Kansas and Texas Railroad. Okay. This train line lasted for over a hundred years and, uh, and, uh, it was connect. It connected central and Eastern, uh, Texas to States in the North. Okay. So it's, it was a very important train line. So, uh, thank you, Texas Hill for that info. 
If you want to know more about caddy trains, uh, Google that bitch. Anyways, he had heard, Elmer, heard that this particular train line contained $400,000 in cash. Cash money, dinero, cheese, lettuce. What's other words for money? Bucks, bills. Okay, moving on. That's a lot of fucking money. Okay, which... Uh, they're saying that the $400,000 in cash was actually intended as a royalty payment of the Osage Nation. Now, they are a Midwestern Native American tribe of the Great Plains. And uh, what had happened was, in 1894, a bunch of oil was discovered beneath the lands that the tribe owned. So, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, the BIA, uh, they allowed exclusive privileges to explore the Osage reservation for oil and uh, natural gas. The stipulation was that in order to do that, they had to pay the Osage tribe a 10% royalty on, um, on all the cells of petroleum produced on the reservation. So as time went by the Osage, they got about like $30 million in royalty. And that was just in the year 1923 alone. $30 $30 million in one year. So <laughs> since, uh, since then, you know, since the early, since the early of 20th century, the Osage are the only tribe with the state of Oklahoma to retain a federally recognized reservation. And, uh, there are, there's actually a lot more information uh, about the Osage tribe and, and, uh, the BIA and all that good stuff. But like I always say, Google that bitch. <laughs> so anyways, let's get back to Elmer and his horrible, horrible criminal history. So Elmer and his gang of idiots decide to rob a caddy train. And like I said before, they heard a rumor that the train line had like $400,000 in cash. And um, that was, again, supposed to be royalty payments for the Osage Nation. But these idiots accidentally <laughs> stopped a passenger train instead they stopped the wrong train. <laughs> God damn it. It's like Elmer and his buddies at this point are like, they're all that one, that one family member or friend that can't get their shit together. Like they're just, they're just complete fuck ups at all times. Like they're, they're, they're that one person <laughs> and, 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 and they all decide to join together and be that one group that just can't get nothing goddamn done. So, okay, so in order not to make waste of the time that they spent, you know, stopping the train and all that shit, they decided to rob the passengers of the train and the train staff instead. But they were only able to steal $46 from the mail clerk, um, a revolver. They got the conductor's um, uh, watch, the conductor's watch. They got a jacket and they got two jugs of whiskey. Yeah, that was all they got from that. That's a lot lower than $400,000. Now, I went ahead over to my inflation calculator on usinflationcalculator.com, which only goes as far back as 1913. But $46 in 1913 uh, would be worth about $1,274.57 in today's money. Okay, which is nothing compared, (laughs) nothing compared, you know, to the $400,000 that they would have gotten because $400,000 in 19, uh, 
thirteen. I mean, excuse me, nineteen in nineteen thirteen, four hundred thousand dollars would be worth about eleven million plus dollars today. Yeah, eleven million dollars. That's how much four hundred thousand dollars in nineteen thirteen would be today. Okay, that's that definitely would have been the the heist of the century had they pulled that off. But you know, they didn't. So. <laughs> shit man so a newspaper actually reported uh on the caddy train robbery and called it and i quote one of the smallest in history of train robbery so you know e- even even the media is making fun of them they're like these fucking fools can't do nothing right <laughs> shit <laughs> like obviously no one respected these guys no one so elmer and the guys decided to split up and uh, he ended up going to a friend's ranch and drink all the whiskey that he stole. <laughs> but at, uh, at this time, he was also sick with tuberculosis because like I said, it was very common at this time. And he most likely um, developed that after working in the lead mines probably. I don't know. But not to mention Homeboy had a mild case of pneumonia too. And to make things worse, the police somehow found out that he was a part of the robbery. Yeah. And there was a $2,000 reward for his capture. So Buddy was wanted. Legit. Okay. Now, you know, it's a federal crime doing all that shit. So on October 7th, early as fuck in the morning. Okay. Three sheriff officers or deputies or whatever the fuck they're called. They ended up finding Elmer in a, uh, in the hay shed of the ranch that he was, uh, that he was staying on. Now they surrounded the shed and they waited until daylight so they could take him in. All right. So around 7 AM, Elmer fired a shot at one of the sheriffs and missed. Okay. So he began to shoot at the other two sheriffs, but luckily for them, they weren't hit. All right. Now, all three of them fired back and one of the bullets ended up inside Elmer's chest, killing him. Now, the gun battle, it lasted about an hour and it only took one bullet to find Elmer. One. Now, they searched the area where uh, Elmer died and ended up finding one of the jugs of whiskey that was taken from the train and it was almost empty. Now, I guess, I guess Elmer had one last hurrah before his death because he lived a drunk and he died one too. But his story doesn't stop there, which is odd because normally after death, the story is over. But you just wait until I tell you what Elmer McCurdy is best known for. His criminal history has nothing to do with the fame that he's gotten, but only after his death. That, my friends, is where the true story begins. Okay, so after Elmer died, they took his body to the undertaker and pa- I think it's Pahuska, Pahuska, Oklahoma. I'm probably saying that wrong, but anyways, no one claimed his body. 
The Undertaker refused to bury the body because no one was going to pay for his services, which I get, you know, I'm not going to work for free either. Fuck that shit. The fuck they think this is. They got the wrong one today. (laughs) I'm not working for free, bitch. (laughs) Anyway, so the Undertaker, uh, that dude, he decided to embalm the body with an arsenic-based solution that would help preserve it for a long period of time. Now, this was actually practiced a lot when no one knew who who the next of kin was, and it gave the families more time uh, to claim the bodies of their loved ones. Now, a lot of time passed, and no one claimed Elmer. So... Here's where, here's where Elmer's story continues. Okay. This is crazy. So the undertaker had a, had a great idea. He, he was so proud of himself here. He figured because no one was going to claim this body and he refused to work for free. He decided to have the corpse work for him. He dressed it up in uh, and, and street clothes. Okay. And even put a rifle in Elmer's dead body's hands. Okay. And stood him up, set him up in the corner of the funeral home and he would charge visitors of the funeral home a nickel to take a look at the and I quote the bandit who wouldn't give up that's what he decided to name I guess his exhibits now that's some crazy shit I mean I, I, I understand not wanting to work for free but playing dress up with a dead body and charging people to see it. It's just, it's too much for me. It's, it's a lot to process. And I don't feel like being haunted for eternity. That's it's just, I don't want to be a part of that. I wouldn't do that. Now, <laughs> now earlier I said that uh, he charged five cents for people to look at Elmer's dead body. Now, y'all know I went back to the U.S. inflationcalculator.com website to see how much five cents would be in today's money. But again, it only goes back to 1913 on that website, and uh, this happened in 1911. But in 1913, five cents would be worth $27.71 today. To see a dead body is less than 30 bucks. Listen, that's a good deal when you think about it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'd probably charge more, at least a few hundred. Like, <laughs> you know, shit, I got bills trying to make me a profit. How much would you guys charge to see a dead body? Tell me on the Professionally Silly Podcast Facebook group. I I want to know. I'm like Joe. I want to know. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I can only imagine... You know, what, uh, what Olivia's baby asshole ass is going to say to that girl, if you, I, I would probably charge a couple of hundred too. Cause you know, you got to keep the body up. You got to pay for the rental space. Like <laughs> Olivia going to have a whole ass business plan. Just <laughs> all right. Moving on here. Anyway, uh, this undertaker told people to put the nickels inside of Elmer's dead mouth. Like he was like, yeah, listen, put, put the money in his mouth. Like legit, like it, like, like Elmer's face was a fucking coin slot. It's crazy. And honestly, if it was a coin slot, I certainly would hate to, to see where the change would come from. Good Lord. Too soon. I mean, he died in 1911. It's fine. So anyways, uh, the undertaker did this creepy, disrespectful shit for years, charging people to see Elmer's dead body. He did this all the way 
until 1916, okay? And Elmer's been dead since 1911. Now, the only reason, the only reason this stopped is because two men who claimed to be Elmer's long-lost brothers showed up at the funeral home to claim the body. And, you know, they claimed that they had, uh, you know, that lawyers said that they could and the city said that they could and all this other shit. And uh, they, they, they claim that they wanted to ship the body to San Francisco for a proper burial. Plot twist. <laughs> Plot twist. They weren't actually his brothers. <gasps> Shock, right? I know. I know you didn't expect that. I, this just twists and turns all up in this bitch. So their names were Charles and James Patterson, and they owned the Great Patterson Carnival shows together. So they had their own traveling carnival and they featured Elmer's body in their shows in Kansas. And he was labeled as the outlaw who would never be captured alive. Yep. Yep. <laughs> His body is, is on display yet again, but this time for a carnival and not just a funeral home. So, you know, Elmer... I got to say, man, he, he, that's a hell of a raise. That, that's nice. That's nice. He got a raise. He, he went from sales associate to supervisor. Okay. <laughs> so anyways, this went on until 1922. Uh, and the, and the uh, Patterson brothers, they sold their carnival to this guy named Lewis Sonny. And Lewis has his own traveling museum of crime, which honestly sounds pretty awesome. I would have definitely wanted to check that shit out when I was, when I was younger, I was not alive in 1922. Hello. <laughs> I forgot about that for a second, but that's definitely something I would have checked out. So anyways, Lewis, uh, he had, um, a traveling museum of crime and he had wax replicas of famous outlaws like Jesse James. And, uh, man, look, the early 1900s were weird as fuck. A lot of things were going on. Okay. <laughs> So Elmer's story, it continues, all right? His body was rented by director Dwayne Esper, who wanted to promote his new movie that was called Narcotic. And he placed it in the lobby of the theater, uh, in the theaters, as a prop. Because Elmer's body began to somewhat mummify. His skin was shriveled up and it was becoming hard. So Esper, the director, he decided to use that to help promote his movie. He claimed that the body, you know, was, um, was to, was to kind of like show what uh, a drug addict looked like. The body represented a drug addict who killed himself while surrounding, while being surrounded by the police after he robbed the drugstore to support his habit. So he used Elmer's body to advertise his movie and to warn people of the dangers of drug addiction. So this, this was his like great idea. Now I'm not sure if, um, if Dwayne Esper, the director of this movie knew that the body was real or not. I'm not sure if anybody knew if this body was real or not, but it's just so insane to think about, you know what I'm saying? All right. So Lewis Sonny, he died in 1949. So the corpse and all of his wax figurines his wax figures for his murder of crime museum. Wait, no, that didn't sound right. 
Museum of Crime. I said Murder of Crime Museum. Museum of Crime. Uh, okay, so that's what I was trying to say. Anyway, all of his stuff ended up in, in a uh, storage uh, warehouse in Los Angeles, okay? So the bo- the uh, the bodies, they sat there for like 20 years. Like that's how long the bodies sat there. 20 years in storage. Then Lewis's son, Dan, let filmmaker David F. Friedman borrow the body for his film called She Freak. This is in 1967. So you, you can... <laughs> You can see Elmer's body in the background of the movie. The, I mean, it's just the fact that Elmer was was a background extra for a movie after his death. I mean, how many people can say that? It's like, well, how many movies were you in when, when you were dead? Well, I don't like to brag or anything, but <laughs> I was in the new Tyler Perry movie after I died. It was so good. Like, <laughs> like how do you like what the fuck? Okay. Okay, moving on here. I lost my place. So, okay, okay. So it's 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 um, it, it's it's kind of like everyone just forgot that this was a real body and not a prop, or maybe they never knew. I don't know. This is crazy. So his body it was passing around for over forty years. Okay, and in nineteen sixty eight, Dan uh, Lewis's son saw the uh, saw the body um saw the body sold the, I guess rented the body along with another wax figure for $10,000 to this dude named Spoonie. Now, Spoonie is the owner of the Hollywood Wax Museum. Yeah, I'm sure many of you have been there or at least heard of it. It is a lot of fun. Check that place out. Spoonie decided to um, to exhibit Elmer's body at a show at, at Mount Rushmore, okay? But while it was there, the corpse was damaged in a windstorm, so the toes fingers and the tips of the ears were blown off which is God, so disrespectful to this man's body goodness gracious so because of the damage Spoonie thought that the corpse looked too scary and no longer lifelike and so he couldn't use it for his exhibit at the Hollywood Wax Museum so he sold it to uh to this dude named Ed Lerish Lerish I don't know how to say his name so Ed was uh part owner of the Pike, which was an amusement park in Long Beach, California. So Elmer's body was used as a prop once again, but this time it was hanging in the gallows at the Laugh in the Dark Funhouse at the Pike Amusement Park in 1976. This dude died in 1911. We're in 1976 now. This is wild as fuck. So El- listen, and, and Elmer's journey continues. He's still not done. So the hit show, many of you may have heard of this, especially, you know, if you're like a, a 70s kid, uh, the Six Million Dollar Man, th- that hit show, they even used the corpse. They were filming scenes for the Carnival of Spies episode at the amusement park on December 8th, 1976. And they were moving Elmer's body to get it ready for a scene that they were about to film. But the arm broke off. The arm broke off the body, just broke right the fuck off. Okay. And and that's when they noticed that there was human bone and tissue. Yeah. Holy shit. Like, can you even imagine 
how crazy that shit is. I would have flipped the fuck out if I was a person who noticed that that was a real body. I would have been like, what the fuck? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, shit. So they called the police and the Los Angeles coroner department conducted a, an investigation and they were able to perform an autopsy an, an autopsy on December 9th, the very next day in 1976. And they, they determined that the body was indeed a human male who died of a gunshot wound to the chest. The, the, the corpse weighed about 50 pounds and was 63 inches in height. The body was covered in wax and had been covered in layers of phosphorus paint. Elmer still, uh, still had some hair on the, on the, uh, on the sides of his head and, and the back as well. But remember, remember when I told you, uh, he was missing the tips of his ears and a few of his toes and fingers as well. Yeah. That don't forget about that. <laughs> And they also found that there were, there was presence of arsenic in the body. But as we learned uh, earlier that, you know, this was a, uh, this was a, a very popular way they, they, uh, of embalming, you know, embalming bodies back until like the late 1920s is when they finally stopped doing that. So anyways, the coroner also found a 1924 penny that, and, and excuse me, and ticket stubs to the Pike amusement park and the museum of crime. Okay. So that helped them kind of, uh, put around what date or not date, but what year around what time frame that he was alive or when he died, you know what I'm saying? So a forensic anthropologist took radiographs of the skull and placed them over a photo of Elmer McCurdy that was taken at the time of his death. They were able to determine that the body was in fact Elmer, Elmer McCurdy. So of course the media had a fucking field day. They were all over this because hello, a man's body was used as a prop for over 60 years. Uh, that is, that's headliner type shit. You, you, you gotta put that in your newspaper. Okay. <laughs> It's crazy. So several funeral homes contacted the coroner's office and they offered to bury Elmer for free. Okay. But they, 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 um, they wanted, they wanted to wait to see if anybody would claim the body. Okay. Anyways, they finally laid his body to rest on April 22nd, 1977 and summit view cemetery in Oklahoma. About 300 people attended his funeral and they poured two feet of concrete over his casket to ensure that no one would ever be able to dig him up again for any reason, which I got to be honest with you, totally understandable. I'm sure there's some weird freaks out there who will love to dig up his body if they could. The fact that you can purchase murder billia online the fact that there are people who do that, that's why I'm not surprised that there's someone who would probably dig up this dead body given the chance. And if you don't know what murder bilia is, it's pretty much stuff that murderers and serial killers have touched or owned or whatever. And people, they buy it. Oh, this is, uh, this is Ted Bundy's hair. I'm going to spend $800 for it. Like shit like that. Oh, um, fucking blah, blah, blah's fingernails. I'm going to do that. It's just, people are weird. 
This is a lot. <laughs> so that is the story of Elmer McCurdy, the traveling corpse. Okay, look, if there is anything that you can take from this podcast episode, it's, look, if you see what appears to be a dead body being used as a prop, you know, maybe double check and make sure it's not. Make sure it's not an actual dead body. We gotta, we gotta be sure. Professionally silly life rules, people, okay? It, <laughs> but when you think, it's just so crazy how this guy's death made him more famous you know than in his actual life like he he had a better life dead than he did when he was alive what is that like you know and he had a rough life but his death was pretty awesome he got to be on tv shows and movies he got to travel around the country he did more dead than most of us do while we're alive ain't that some shit <laughs> i want to go ahead shout out uh wikipedia uh, for the, for, you know, for all the information, also notes from the frontier.com Ripley's.com, uh, an article that was written by Chris Levin and all things interesting.com. I used these sites to research this topic. Oh, and speaking of Wikipedia, if you can donate to their nonprofit site so they can, uh, they can continue to dish out some education and we can keep learning shit for free. So throw them a couple of dollars. Check out the podcast, uh, the podcast Twitter and Instagram at It's Pro Silly, I-T-S-P-R-O-S-I-L-L-Y. Join the Professionally Silly Pod Group on Facebook because we like to have some fun there. And if uh, you want to join in on the silly and you have any stories or experiences that you want to share, email them to me at itsprofessionallysilly at gmail.com. And look, it can literally be about anything as long as it's interesting. And uh, there's a good chance that your story could even inspire an entire episode topic. So send them in. Okay, that's what Sama did. And that's also what Olivia did and a few others. And it's a lot of fun. So uh, also, guys, don't forget, you can leave me a voice message on the Anchor app or or on my Google Voice number. 805-664-1828. Leave me a message or a voicemail and I'll, you know, or a text message perhaps, and I'll put you in the podcast unless you say otherwise. Just let me know. But one thing's for certain, I would love to hear from you. I want to thank you guys so much. And let me say it again. Thank you so much, you know, for listening to this creepy but interesting episode with me and coming back every week. I'm just, I'm just so glad that you're here. And if this is your first time listening, I hope that you decide to come back and, 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 and join me every Friday as we get professionally silly up in this bitch. Yes. And also do me a favor. Please support this podcast by leaving reviews on whichever uh, podcast directory that you're using, especially Apple podcasts. If you've got that, because I need your help in order for this podcast to grow, honey, I cannot do it on my own. So leaving a five-star and written review on Apple Podcasts really, really helps. It really does. Also, don't forget to share this podcast with your friends. Let them enjoy themselves too. They deserve it. You know, share that silly. Share that silly with them. Don't hog all the silly for yourself. It's rude. Okay? 
<laughs> let everybody know that this podcast is available on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, I think iHeartRadio as well. It's it's on a lot of platforms. So I'm all over the place. You cannot escape me. So stop trying. Okay. And if you enjoy the uh, the Professionally Silly podcast and you want to help out, you can now support my silly content by making monthly donations. And uh, this will actually help the podcast keep going. Okay. Help move the silly forward and hopefully eventually update uh, some of the equipment that we're using right now too. So that'd be awesome. Uh, you can now make monthly contributions as low as 99 cents a month, $4.99, or $9.99 a month right here on the Anchor app. And like I always say, if you got those commitment issues, PayPal is out there. It is a thing, y'all. www.paypal.me slash Amber Smiles Jones. Help the silly to keep flowing. Also, check out the show notes for some bonus information. Got my social media stuff, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, both my YouTube channels, all that good, good, okay? And also, don't forget down below, we have the link to Vance Global. If you find yourself interested in some CBD or some Delta 8 yum-yums, go ahead and uh, check out the link in the show notes as well. Yes, and for those of you that are interested in uh, in writing writing me or sending me things like that, my P.O. Box is in the show notes too. Amber Smiles Jones, P.O. Box 533, Lovejoy, Georgia 30250 down there in the show notes. Check that out. And uh, you listen, you can send me anything you want and I will open it either here on air, but I'll definitely be doing an unboxing on my YouTube channel so you can go ahead and watch that too. So once again, I'm your audible boo thing, Amber Smiles Jones, and thank you so much for listening to the Professionally Silly Station here on Anchor FM, where I take my silliness seriously. And listen, guys, enjoy the silly while you can, and join me every Friday here on the Professionally Silly Podcast, where we take our silliness seriously. All right. I guess I'll see you guys next week.